Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nolcast. Bud, we have ourselves a Miami game preview here. Uh, we'll jump into it. Uh, looking forward to it very much, as always. We'll thank our friends, New Iberia, Louisiana, three simple ingredients, one fantastic product. Very much look forward to working with our good friends at Louisiana Hot Sauce uh, from now and into the future. A great sponsor for us, and uh, they make everything that we do possible. Bud, let's, uh, let's jump into it, man. Primetime game, 730. You know, ABC going to get the national team. The broadcast team will get the uh, the, the team A, and it'll be fun. Uh, you know, there's a lot of. <laughs> I'm still riding high just on the fact that we get to watch college football and that we get to see a rivalry game, and it's bizarre and it feels a little disconjointed. I certainly understand, but uh, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. This is going to be. Let's enjoy it. It's here. We made it to the season. Everybody looks forward to games like this all year. And may not be quite the team that uh, the fan base wants to have, but let's enjoy the process, enjoy the game, and we'll jump into the preview. Let's enjoy the climb, man. And look, these are the games that that, that you live for, right? These are the games that, that we, we have these debates on message boards and, and, on, and group texts and, and listening to your favorite podcasts and tweeting at us all offseason. These are, these are the games, these are why we watch college football, because we know Look, anything can happen in the rivalry games, and it can happen in a non-rivalry game too. I'm not one of these people that thinks rivalry games are more likely to have stuff happen, but maybe there's something to that. Current spread right now, 11.5 points in favor of the Canes. Uh, not really given three points for home field advantage this year, so let's just call it 1.5. It means they think Miami's about 10 points better on a neutral field, pretty consistent with what most of the power ratings out there, uh, both public and most private, uh, have. Total of 54 points, which seems like a whole lot of points, except when you realize that, uh, that Miami is operating at a, a very fast tempo this year, which we'll get into a little bit more. Uh, Hurricanes lead the, lead the uh, all-time series 34-30 to 30 per Wikipedia, and Miami has won three in a row, looking to make it four. And yet, I don't think Florida State has a great chance in this game, but I don't think they have no chance. So we'll, we'll kind of focus on maybe how they can spring the upset here in this game. And to up the degree of difficulty, just a little bit, man, uh, they, they, uh, they have a guy out for this game we covered on the last podcast. But Mike Morbell, head coach, will not be coaching in the game. He's the first uh, FBS head coach, I believe, to miss a game due to COVID. Although, I mean, who knows with all, with all these cancellations going on, if maybe some of these other coaches have had it and just they haven't said. You know, I think we had three or four more games today canceled, including uh, the USF. FAU game due to uh, some contact tracing there with USF. But a, a win for, for either team is, is a fairly big deal, right? If Florida State wins this, they can say, hey, look, like we're, our, our coaching is really paying off. We are moving in the right direction. We need your help, recruits, to get us over the top and, and to help, help us build in this climb. If Miami wins it, they're able to say, hey, look, man, like we, we smacked Florida State again. They can't play with us. We are clearly on the right path on, under Manny Diaz. There's no reason to go anywhere else. Just stay home and play for us. And, of course, the downsides to losing are, are also evident for, for both teams. If it's, if it's FSU, it's, it's an 0-2 start, not something that, that you want to have, and, and uh, you're going to lose maybe some more recruits to Miami. If you're Miami and you lose this one, people are going to basically say, hey, you guys are, are frauds again who started the season with, with an empty – Two and record, and look at this. When, when the lights come on, y'all can't hang. Blah 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 blah. Just like happened, uh, what 
two years ago, I think, or, or, or three years ago when they had that hot start and then they collapsed down the stretch. So I'm, I'm very excited to watch this one on Saturday night. I think we're going to learn a lot about both teams because both teams uh, do some things and both teams are going to see some things that the other has not presented as, as of yet in terms of, of games that have been on their schedule. Duh, but Elliot, FSU's only played one game and <laughs> you know Miami has only played two. All right, the NOLCAST defensive side of the ball preview for the Miami game is brought to you by Shannon Young. Shannon Young is the guy you need to call for your home loan, 844-FSU-LOAN. That's 844-FSU-LOAN. I think we hit 80, man. 80 NOLCAST listeners have gone and got their loan or the refi through Shannon, 844-FSU-LOAN. Awesome customer service, great access to rates, knowledge of the industry, What's not to like? And a little bit of Noel talk if you give him a shout, 844 FSU loan. Also, speaking of shouts, shout to Ryan. Ryan of Crestview, Florida, who got his loan through Shannon. I'll be sending him a men's extra large t-shirt and welcome package as soon as I get to FedEx this week. We have a couple couple that are going out. I think we have three new loans just this week, man. So awesome partnership for us and, and Shannon. Let's go ahead and get into this defense talk. Yeah, let's jump into the defense, and we're ever so fortunate to be able to do this podcast uh, thanks to our sponsors and and our listeners, and we always want to be real honest with you guys, and we're going to give you the best defensive preview that I possibly can. But if we don't know if Kando can play, and if we don't know if Hamza Nazaldine is going to be available, uh, those are about two of the most, you know, significant pieces that you could hope to employ. So uh, we'll do our best. Obviously, we'll try to give you an idea as to what we expect from those two guys, but uh, you know, apps out of Marvin, those are probably as two significant pieces as there are. And there's as much of a fall off from one position to another. That is kind of the difference when you talk about Marvin. There's still defensive death on the interior. Uh, not a whole lot of special players otherwise at the position groups that uh, that those two play. So Rhett Lashley is uh, kind of the offensive uh, brain for Miami at this point, running a very similar style to, you know, what Florida State fans saw last year and kind of uh, differentiate some of the concepts that are in that uh, but from a broader perspective, you're going to see some similarity from what you saw last year. Yeah. So if you're, if you're, you know, remember what FSU did last year, um, or like Rhett Lashley was, I believe, the QB for Gus Malzahn at Springdale High School in Arkansas. He was on Malzahn's staff for a while. Uh, so it, it's it's sort of a, a similar tree there. Uh, the, the concepts are similar. They're, they're actually different. It's tough to explain it necessarily on, on a podcast. But the best offense I can compare this to is, do you remember what Auburn ran in kind of 2013, 2014, when they had Nick Marshall at quarterback? Uh, that They were an offense that wanted to try to run with power. They wanted to play with as much tempo as possible. They would do very little drop back game, uh, but they would try to throw a lot of RPOs, a lot of play action, that type of stuff, along with running the football. Now, Miami does not have the same type of power run game that that Auburn team did, but they do have tremendous tight ends, as we'll discuss a little bit later on in the show. So if, if I'm trying to compare this team, if, if you have not watched any Miami this year, the, the offense looks similar to what those Auburn offenses look like. They, they will try to space the field quite a bit with with receivers out wide too. So, But the main thing here is that they want to go crazy tempo. They want to try to get you out of position. They will change formations, but not necessarily personnel within drives to go tempo, and they will try to get basically freebies, right? Plays where the defense is not lined up properly. Plays where, where they don't necessarily have to, quote-unquote, you know, earn it. 
if you will. Uh, that's what they're trying to do. And I wrote a column for 24-7 Sports two weeks ago. I said, look, Miami's offense is at least decent. And that's a huge upgrade. Because before this Miami team was losing games to teams who it had no business losing games to. Louisiana Tech, Duke, teams like that to where if it just had a decent offense, not even a good one, just decent, they wouldn't lose because they've had an elite defense for several years now running in Miami. And I think that's what they got now under Rhett Lashley and under under uh, transfer quarterback De'Aaron King. But I'm not willing to say that it's a real good offense yet. I'm not willing to say it's elite or anything like that. There are some definitely some, some red flags here along with this too. So I'm interested in learning more about how Florida State can do against these guys. Uh, and it's, it's going to take a, an all-out effort. And like you said, without Kendo, without Hamsa, potentially, or maybe they'll play. Maybe they'll play and play great. I guess we'll see how they feel. This is going to be quite the challenge. Yeah, uh, real challenge. King is a is a talent. Uh, we'll have to see exactly what he is. Uh, we'll get a better idea with each game, and and certainly a better idea going up against uh, a Florida State defense that we think is at least above average. Hopefully, much better than that, but certainly above average uh, in places. Probably have the best one two combination at tight end, and that's a uh, something I think Florida State's going to see. And to an extent, not to just brush over things, but. When you see wide receivers uh, that Miami has, maybe they're a little bit better than Florida State, maybe not, but certainly have some of the same uh, challenges and, and things that plague them. Not great at, at, uh, at catching the ball, and we profiled some of Florida State's uh, target versus production in the Georgia Tech game. It was pathetic, and, and so far, Miami's wide receivers don't really do a whole lot different either with, uh, with some of the targets and what ultimately comes of them. So really solid group at tight end. Uh, again, that'll that'll come into what you have at defensive end as to how much they're able really to, to work and impact the game. And then, uh, you know, the wide receivers, I think, is a good test. Florida State certainly is a, has the potential to be decent in the secondary and be better than what we saw against Georgia Tech. And, uh, you know, maybe the, maybe this is a game where the secondary starts to make an impact, limit King somewhat, and, and force him into things that maybe he doesn't want to do uh, and, and limit what he's able to do with the freebies with pace. I mean, things don't carry over from year to year perfectly, but this defense can't be shocked when it sees pace. And, uh, you know, they got to be better adjusted to it, obviously, than they would have a year prior. So uh, you can't just come out and go, well, well, we just got caught off guard by pace. We weren't able to line up. Uh, You know, certainly that wasn't in the program's DNA for too long, but it was there. And the defense, for the most part, is going to be pretty familiar with it. And it's certainly something that uh, Coach Adam Fuller has seen at Memphis, uh, that there are a number of teams in that league that run a lot of pace. Memphis ran at a decent pace last year. SMU, uh, which is also in the AAC, runs at a blistering pace. That's also where Lashley was last year. So uh, certainly an interesting game to look back at uh, if, if you're a Florida State fan to see you know how, how they played. Now, much different personnel at SMU and at Memphis uh, than, than what you have at Florida State and at Miami. One thing that, that has stood out to me in, in watching Miami's offense is the comfort level uh, at which Dierk King operates within a, a spread offense like this. He's played in several different spread offenses with, with, with different head coaches and coordinators in his career. And, and I, I got to tell you, like he just looks extremely comfortable operating this offense. He's, he's fast, but not rushed. And he just does a really good job. Um, by the way, that, that game last year, Memphis 54, SMU 48. 
I'll just add he's very comfortable running the offense, but he's very comfortable when the when <laughs> when he's more playing offense and not so much running per script. I mean, he's very comfortable just kind of freestyling, and and a lot of Miami's bigger plays come from uh, King not necessarily you know seeing exactly what he wanted, creating a little bit more time, and then whether his legs are are uh, using his legs directly or using his legs to create more time for a tight end wide receiver to get down the field. Really, uh, you know, Miami's plays have come in big chunk plays as we've talked about. Some of those have been designed. Some of those have just been where things have broken down and Kings made a play. Exactly right. It, his athleticism is is pretty damn special. I mean, he, he is, we talk about athletic quarterbacks. Uh, King actually is athletic enough, in my opinion, to to play receiver, certainly at the college level and you know maybe at the next level if, if quarterback wasn't going to work out for him. Um, but there's no doubt he, he's a very good, college quarterback uh pass protection wise this is something i think miami realizes that they're actually not very good at overall and so they try to take a lot of pressure off and they're, they're gonna they're gonna throw the ball a lot with, with run blocking principles be that rpo or play action or or quick screen game that they actually don't do that many drop back pass plays they, they had a couple against louisville and they executed them surprisingly well uh, overall they, they, they had that like third and Twenty or whatever that they that they picked up when uh, when when they were able to find Mark Pope on the sideline, but yeah, pass protection I think is something that Miami understands that they are not very good at, and ultimately, I would expect a more conservative game plan from the Hurricanes here against this Knowles defense when it comes to third and long situations. I, I'm not saying Miami will never try to throw for them, but I, I do think that they realize what this offense is and what it's not in their own self-scout. And they probably probably realize that Florida State is not going to be a threat to score that many points in this game. So I think if you're Miami and you're playing smart, you're okay. You have an excellent punter. Uh, you're, you're okay running quarterback draw on third and 12, depending on, on you know where you're at on the field, and just punting the football away and, and letting your defense do the work for you. Uh, I, I kind of doubt that they're going to give FSU that many chances for sack fumble type situations on, on third and long if if the game is is close or or if Miami has the lead. Certainly throw out what I just said if if Miami is down and, and they're having to try to throw to get back into the game. Uh, part of the other reason I think that in addition to the pass protection problems that Miami can have is, is that their receivers so far this year have been very poor. Uh, Mark Pope and Wiggins are kind of their two top guys along with Harley receivers targeted in the Louisville game, 18 targets, 99 yards. Very low success rate there, obviously. Um, just they, they, they've had drops. They've had incorrectly run routes, failure to separate. They're, they're playing much like Florida State receivers have played so far this year through one game. Like crap. And the thing is, Miami has the two best tight end combo in the country in Brevin Jordan and Will Mallory, like you mentioned. And so they have not really had to pay the price for having poor receiver play on the year. Uh, this is, and we'll talk about this in our keys to success a little bit, but this is going to be a major thing for FSU. They have got to, to challenge Miami to throw the ball outside the hashes effectively. And FSU, if they're going to have any shot of winning this game, they've got to be able to play effective one-on-one coverage on the outside against Miami's receivers and shut them down like UAB and Louisville did. In tandem with that, you also have to not give up you know, 150 yards receiving to the tight ends like Louisville did. So 
It may, may be easier said than done, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Miami's passing game is good, but it is competent with the weapons that they have. And getting Hamsa back, getting Kendo back would be a big deal there, uh, not only in, in the pass game, but, but also in the run game. Certainly. Yeah. I mean, Hamza is, is such a support, uh, support player in, in the game and, and allows you to do so many things with some of the pieces around him. Look, Miami's run game is, it's maybe, I don't know, bud. I think it's, I think it is good. I don't know that it's maybe quite as explosive as, as some of the highlights would have you, have you lead to believe. Uh, Cameron Harris is a really solid back. Um, uh, I think he's a good player. I don't know that he's necessarily electric. Uh, but he gets what's there and frequently gets a little bit more. Uh, Jalen Knighton's a you know pretty explosive back, and those two combo uh, have been fairly dynamic so far. Obviously, their run game is enhanced by the threat of King's legs, and you certainly have to account for them and and have various responsibilities that only hope to or only help to free the running backs a little bit more. Like I said, if you, if you if you watch a three and a half minute highlight. Of uh, of Miami's game against Louisville, you'll you'll think that they're pretty explosive against the are explosive with the run and, and for good reason. If you look at the success rate from a, a fairly iffy Louisville defense, Miami had an eighteen percent run success rate. So, not trying to necessarily drown you in details and and a, you know erase what were otherwise big plays, but I'm really fascinated with this. I think Harris is a good player. I, I think very highly of him, but I, I think Florida State's defense is going to play at a much higher level. I think there'll be a, you know, a big jump from, from game one to, uh, to game two, and I think the defensive line will, will very much lead that charge. This is a facet of the game that I'm going to be really locked in and, and fascinated by, and I think it'll have a long way in determining how, uh, how the game goes, but I think Florida State is fairly well equipped up front to stop the run, and it's a uh, you know, watching watching a game in the trenches and, and a really aggressive defense hopefully is uh, is very much what this rivalry is built on. And this is one area where I think Florida State can somewhat uh, dictate to Miami. There's no doubt that the best players that Miami will have seen on the interior defensive line for the entire season so far will be coming in this game with Marvin Wilson, Corey Durden, Robert Cooper, those guys there. They have to play better in this game than they did against Georgia Tech. I, there's, there's no doubt in my mind about that. Uh, but you, you mentioned a really good stat here. So Miami had only an 18% success rate running the football against Louisville. Guys, that's terrible, right? Like that, that is god awful. The thing was, they had two that broke for huge yardage, 75 yards, and I believe like 47 yards or something like that, which really, uh, th- that, if you just looked at the yards per carry, that looks okay because they had like five and a half yards per carry. But if you, if you actually take a look at success rate, which is a better indicator overall of maybe how you'll do going forward, 18% is horrible. Louisville was able to stop them over like four out of every five plays, 18%, you know, as far as success goes. If Florida State can get anywhere close to that, I think they're going to have a decent shot to frustrate Miami's offense. Because if they are able to do so, Miami will have to be in longer down and distance than it wants to. And Miami's passing game, if it's just a straight drop back pass game, is really not that good. They are a pass game that is very reliant on uh, run fakes and of being in down and distance that are reachable if you were to run the ball. Like being in down and distance where the defense has to give legitimate credence 
to the threat of the run. Miami in third and long is not a team equipped to convert those consistently. They actually did have some success doing so to their credit against Louisville. But at the same time, Louisville also, you know, had some, some pretty egregious uh, screw ups there. So, you know, I, I don't necessarily want to say that what Miami did is fully sustainable in the long run. In fact, I think with their personnel, it is clearly not. Harris is a, is a very explosive back. I think Knighton is also a very explosive back. That, that one-two combo has been excellent. The thing here, and I've brought this up maybe in the last episode or, or maybe on the Barton and Bud podcast for, for 24-7, is that we know that you don't really have a lot of control over the magnitude of your explosive plays. And by that, I mean you have a decent amount of control over how many plays you allow which are explosive. You don't have that much control over whether that explosive play ends up being a 25-yard pass or a 75-yard pass. After a certain point, it's just kind of, okay, whatever, right? And that's why like, it's not a repeatable skill to hit 75-yard plays. There's some skill, clearly, in hitting a lot of plays which are explosive. Miami's explosive magnitude against Louisville, which basically just means how big were their big plays, was off the charts and probably unsustainably high off the charts. Now, they do create some of these opportunities because of their tempo, right? That that is a, a, a an obvious goal of playing at that tempo. But if Florida State is able to stop the run game here or limit it like Louisville did, I do think that they have a better chance of having more success than the Cardinal did against this Miami offense. But I, I have some worries, too, that they're going to be able to do this, right? Number one is that FSU, as far as allowing, allowing offenses to get to the edge against Georgia Tech, was horrendous. Safeties were, were, were not very good. Um, the defensive ends, especially outside of Kando, repeatedly got sucked inside far too often against their responsibility on the play. They were undisciplined. And uh, they, they did a poor job. And if they if they allow Miami to get the edge there, like that again, like they did, like they did Georgia Tech, it'll be good night. FSU has no shot to win the game if they repeatedly allow Miami to gain the edge. They must set the edge and contain the run, funnel it back inside if if they want to win this football game, or even if they want to be close in this football game. If they play like like they did against Georgia Tech, Miami will score forty five or fifty on them. Like that's I'm not, not not joking there. They have get they've got to get a lot better with, with with setting the edge and defending the run outside the tackles. Period. Because like that's Miami. That's their bread and butter. They're very good at that. And if you don't if you don't slow that down, you're screwed. I think that's really most of my defensive keys. We already said make them throw outside the numbers, make their receivers win against you, and keep the run between the tackles and make make Miami see if, they, if their run game can work in a phone booth. If you can do that, you're going to have a shot. If you can't, you'll get your ass blown out. Uh, it'll be fun. It'll be interesting. I, I'm not trying to sell people on false hope. I'm not trying to pump a bunch of propaganda here. I do think, and I mentioned this maybe last week, maybe 10 days ago, that I just don't know how much real reps Florida State's defensive line got for a while. And, and I'm only more convinced of that uh, the further we get away from, from uh, game one after talking to people. I'm not trying to make an exact comparison here, but if you watch Navy in game one against uh, BYU and BYU's a a good team uh, and you saw Navy kind of start to wake up and realize uh, how to play football again in the Tulane game, 
Uh, Navy was a, a team that was well known for lack of contact and, and lack of real reps, maybe in getting ready for football. I'm not trying to draw a direct comparison, but I think you're going to see a dramatic jump uh, from Florida State's defensive line and a, uh, a much higher level of play. And it certainly sounds like they'll need it after what you just talked about. You want to go to the, def- you want to go to the, uh, the offensive side of the ball here? We'll slide on over to the offense, and we will thank our good friends at Congruity who are going to make tonight's offensive preview possible. Uh, Congruity is experienced, your business optimized. Highly customer HR solutions designed to enhance your brand, save time, save money, and reduce business risk. Uh, Congruity can help you over a variety of platforms and provide a variety of different services, but uh, HR and payroll are the two things that everybody has, everybody needs. And uh, why don't you just kind of start your relationship there uh, with them and, and see what other services and how they can best uh, make your business run. But great p- partners for us, proud sponsors of the Nolcast and people that we're really excited to work with and look forward to working with for quite a while. So you can reach your good friend, Matt Lewis at uh, 844-247-4100 or uh, the direct email account that they set up for our listeners which is Knowles at congruityhr.com. All right, buddy. So it's time for us to talk about the other side of the ball. Here's the skinny, right? Miami will base out of a 4-2-5 defense, just like they have under Manny Diaz for a long time. They're not really playing the three linebacker look that much this year. We'll have to see if that changes, if, if FSU decides to go go to more more 21 uh, type stuff or, or, or to 12 type stuff. I'd prefer they don't go 12 because that means you're playing a walk-on tight end out there, which is not an advantage when, when you're tight end room. It's probably the weakest position on the team, but maybe they'll go more, more, more two back stuff, uh, in this game. My, Manny Diaz at Miami has had an elite defense pretty much every single year he's been there. Like the worst you could say about it is that it's been excellent. Almost all of his defenses have been just really, really good, and kind of masked, to be honest, by how bad the offense has been and putting them in bad situations. This is a defense that the advanced stats like have liked a lot more than the points-per-game type stats, mostly because the advanced stats account for the fact that, oh no, the Hurricanes have turned the ball over again on their own 30, right? <laughs> this guy knows how to coach defense. He's a really good defensive football coach, and yet I they look a little bit different to me this year. Uh, they're a little bit less aggressive than they were in previous years, just from, from eyeballing them. They're not blitzing quite as much. They're playing a little bit more too high looks. I, I kind of have some questions if they trust their back seven this year quite as much as they have in the past, which is, you know, I mean, they, they lost some guys to the draft and the, and the graduation, so maybe they don't. Now, one thing they do have still is a very good defensive line. They lost... Greg Rousseau to, to the early opt-out for the NFL, but they got Quincy Roche, the, the transfer from Temple. On the other side, uh, Jalen Phillips, that their transfer, is playing well. The, the kid they got from UCLA two years ago who kind of had to turn his life around, blah, 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 blah. Uh, looks like he is in shape and really playing pretty well. Athletically, like he'll be the biggest athletic freak on the field on, on, on Saturday. Now, He's not refined. He's obviously lost a lot of developmental time, but he was a former number one overall prospect in the country for a reason. And it doesn't look to me like he's lost, you know, a whole lot of that athleticism. Now he just hasn't been developed at UCLA, uh, probably like they would have wanted him to. Miami typically lets their defensive line kind of get up the field very aggressively. And then they want their backers and, and their safeties to kind of clean things up and, and, uh, 
and they want to turn that defensive line loose. Now, it's, it's an approach that looks undisciplined at times. Sometimes it actually is undisciplined. Almost always looks chaotic. This year, I don't know that their backers are quite as good, man. They, they, they've allowed a, a little bit higher success rate than they normally do in exchange for allowing you know, fewer explosive plays, perhaps. But I don't think that's by design at all. I, I think if you're Diaz, you want to really stop offenses from, from controlling the football and, and you want to get them off the field, even if it means allowing some explosive plays. So I think this is something that in watching Miami, I, I believe Miami is still fighting a little bit and uh, something I'm, I'm certainly going to be watching on game day. FSU has got to find a way to run the football against the Canes. They, they are not a team that can drop back and pass the football you know, 30 or 40 times and, and hope to win the game, especially not if, if that number starts with a four. Now, Louisville is a, a better run team than FSU is. They're a better overall offense by, by a lot than FSU is. So I'm hesitant to kind of take that away and say, okay, well, if, if the Cardinals could do this, we can do this, blah, blah, blah. But they were able to achieve a 47% success rate running the football and a 56% success rate throwing the football. They had some unfortunate turnovers, and their big plays were not nearly as big as Miami's plays were big. But they were actually able to create uh, explosive plays at a a similar uh, frequency as the Canes. So take that for what it's worth. Explosive run percentage, percentage of of plays that were were explosive, 11% for both Louisville and Miami explosive pass percentage. 19 for Louisville, 20% for Miami. So they were actually creating explosive plays at almost the exact same rate. Just, you know, Miami's were much, much bigger when they did hit, which is partially skill and, and a decent bit of luck. If FSU is going to be able to run on Miami, here's a couple of things they have to do. First of all, I, I think that they have to be able to run guard to guard. The guard play has got to be better than it was against Georgia Tech. And I don't know that it will be. Right, I mean, Georgia Tech's defensive line is pretty crappy, as you saw this past weekend, especially when they had the guys out they did against Florida State. And FSU largely struggled to block them. We, we, we have the stats I pointed out that, no, it really wasn't about the starting five being in there or not being in there. It was just, were you on script? Were you off script? Uh, we'll see if they can run the football in Miami. I, I, I do think some of the outside zone stuff might be able to work if, if you can get some of those defensive ends blocked or if you can get them upfield to aggressively and, and cut the ball inside of them, uh, but that, that, that's a major challenge for Mike Norvell and his coaching staff to, to find a way to run the football in this game, and, and it might involve playing multiple quarterbacks and, and, and try, trying to go to that to give yourself that extra blocker, that extra angle in the run game. Yeah, I think uh, personally, I think you see a decent amount of rotation at, at quarterback. Uh, I think uh, everybody took snaps, supposedly, and I think you'll see three different quarterbacks this week, and uh, I don't think it'll be I don't think we'll have to wait long for it. I think Florida State's going to be pretty aggressive in putting out some different packages, realizing that they're going to have to give some some non-traditional looks, perhaps. And, um, man, you're just going to have to fight and claw here. I, I think to an extent the offensive line will look a little bit better. If I'm going to tell you that I think the defensive line suffered from a lack of real reps, I'll, I'll tell you the same thing for the offensive line. Uh, but they've got uh, a hell of a challenge in front of them. And the run game against Georgia Tech looked flat-out anemic. Uh, we'll see if it gets any better. I mean, but if if you can't run the ball at all, and Miami is able to dictate, uh, you know, pressure situations and 
and and force James Blackman into uh, into situations that are dangerous. You know, James seems to either spiral up or, or can very quickly spiral down, and uh, just be fascinating to see what Florida State does to kind of kind of limit what they ask of their quarterbacks while at the same time being pretty aggressive and, and trying to establish the run and then uh, I think kind of work from that. All right, so let's talk pass game here. They do have to stay out of those obvious passing situations. FSU, neither of these teams are particularly well-equipped to handle a lot of third and long situations that they are not one of these elite passing offenses, especially without the benefit of play action. But I really think FSU uh, will, will be in major trouble if they're consistently in long down and distance on the day because FSU, you know, doesn't really have good offensive tackle play or, you know, good offensive line play regardless. They, they, there's just not a single matchup in this game with the defensive front of Miami against FSU's offensive line that I, I, I think about and say, yeah, he can handle him one-on-one consistently, right? I think Love Taylor will lose to Quincy Roche more often than not. I think Jalen Phillips will get the best of, of, of Darius Washington more often than not. I think Nessa Silvera will get the best of, of whichever guy they put there at right guard, probably Bavion, more often than not. And I, I think John Ford will probably get the best of Lucas more often than not. That's a problem because you can only double team one guy. And I just went over four, four matchups, right? So that means you're going to have three who are not double teamed. Uh, that's the number one concern I have in this game. It's not quarterback, although that quarterback is a concern for the Knowles. This is one of the games that we had circled in the preseason that said, the reason you're pick, we're picking them to lose preseason, this is before we knew how bad FSU would come out and look at short sack, but the reason we picked them to lose Miami is because we just flat out don't believe they can block the Hurricanes physically. I think they'll get beat up up front again, most likely. Now, how can they avoid that? You know, you, you, could, you could try to stretch them horizontally and then gash them vertically. You, you can try to run screens. Um, you, you can go max protect and, and hope that your receivers can win one-on-one down the field. I do think Tamari and Terry is an advantage in this game. For Florida State, he has to play big. This is a big-time money game for him. He absolutely needs to come up big for those guys. And to be honest, Warren Thompson needs to, drop, needs to stop dropping every ball that is thrown to him. I mean, otherwise, what's he doing out there? Uh, but that's kind of his MO is that he drops passes right now. He's done it since high school and they clearly have not fixed that issue of his hands. Uh, you know, if, if he's, if he's dropping balls again, you know, in, in, in this game, you, you need to sub him out. But FSU, the only chance they have to win this game, I think, as far as their offense putting enough points to do so, is their receivers winning one on one matchups against Miami's corners, who I don't necessarily think are all that great this year. But yet, FSU's receivers have been worse, so it, it's a bit of like just blind hope to say, oh, I think FSU's receivers are, are going to come out there and dominate those guys, right? Like, that's not really very realistic. But I do think talent-wise, FSU's receivers are more talented than Miami's DBs. So I cannot write off the idea that they come out there and take on Miami's DBs and, and win. The concern there for me is that Miami's been playing a lot more too-high-shell looks so I don't think the Canes are going to let FSU get over the top very easily. I think Miami is okay with seeing if FSU can drive somewhat and, and not walking their safeties down super far to allow themselves to get beat over the top. Because if I'm Miami, I'm thinking, all right, I do want to get the ball back to my offense quickly. Clearly, I want to get as many snaps as possible for Deer King and company and Rhett Lashley. That's where they're really going to thrive. We, we saw that against UAB. We, we saw it a little bit against Louisville. Um, 
when they get to that kind of play 70 or 75, they, they really feel like they're going to have a defense worn down, which they're probably right. Uh, but at the same time, if I'm Miami and my, my secondary has been a bit suspect, I'm thinking, all right, what are the chances Florida State can actually take and drive the field on eight, nine, 12 play drives repeatedly to score on me with that offensive line? What are the chances they don't have a false start or more likely a tackle for loss or a sack that blows something up? And that's not even accounting for the fact that Blackman is not playing well at quarterback. I know they defended them a lot in the press conference and it's some of the stuff they were right about. Is, is Miami going to let FSU get over the top? Can FSU actually establish the run well enough to where the Hurricanes have to walk down their safeties and potentially expose some of those deep shots? I don't know, man. Like Maybe if you're FSU, you try for the deep shots early because uh, hoping that Miami will be, be really amped up here. But if I'm Miami, I'm like, look, your offensive line sucks, Florida State. My defensive line is pretty damn good. I'm just going to see if you can block us repeatedly. And if the answer is no, I'm going to go home with the victory. What's the what's the path to your opinion for Florida State to win a game? What's the score? Uh, and and obviously, I'm not asking for exact situations, but just a general game that could lead to uh, to Florida State getting a victory here. In my opinion, I think you've got if you got to win if you're going to win this game, 17 to 16 or something like that. I mean, I, I think you have to keep a low score. You have to you know try to realize that you're not going to be all that successful with the football limit what Miami could do and maybe win 17-14, 17-16, something like that. I don't, if there's a lot of scoring in this game, I'd love to know where Florida State's, uh, where Florida State's explosive offense is going to come from. But I, I think you kind of got to just punch, keep this close and, and hope to win a, a tight game at the end. If the game is played in the 60s, I would give FSU a very, very low chance of what, you know, like 60 combined points. I, I don't give FSU much of a chance on that. Uh, I think they have some chance to win if the game is played in the 40s. Keep in mind that Miami's tempo is very aggressive. They're going to they're try to get like 16 possessions a game. And at that, even if you keep them to a relatively low points per possession number, they're still going to score some points because they're running at that level of tempo. I mean, they're going to be probably top five in the nation this year in, in tempo. Uh, so that just leads to points. It's just more plays, more possessions. I think a game that is played with like 30 something combined points or, you know, low 40s combined points absolutely favors Florida State. Uh, because I, I have a hard time believing that the Knowles can score. Like, like if, if they need to get 30 to win this, if the race is to 30, I, I don't, I'm not picking up issue. I think you, you just got to kind of keep it close and then hope to capitalize on one of those drives where, you know, Miami maybe runs three plays for, for a total of nine seconds, uh, and you, and you catch their defense. Uh, in a situation where they were just back out on the field otherwise. And uh, and maybe you're able to have a little bit of success running against a defensive line that you wouldn't otherwise. Uh, I think you've just got to be kind of situational here. Um, hope that your your special teams are good because Miami's are very, very good uh, from what we can tell so far with a small sample size. Man, I, I think you got to keep it close, keep it ugly, and, and hope to uh, win a low-scoring game uh, at the end of the fourth quarter with some kind of, you know, situational fortune that, that you either created or, or forced Miami into. You want to go for, uh, for, for predictions here? Let's do, let's jump into predictions. Uh, predictions tonight are brought to you by our old friend, Madison social. Uh, they're with us since the first day. Uh, you can always go grab you some good Nolcast gear, madisonsocial.com backslash Nolcast, uh, whether it be a road game, whether it be a home game, and uh, you're not fortunate enough to be able to take 
part in the limited seating would send you over to our friends at Township, Madso, and Centrale, uh, whether it be game day or not. Three great options, one great partner for us, and uh, thank them for making tonight's predictions possible. All right, so yards per play, what, what, what are you thinking? This, this, is, uh, this is always kind of tough. Florida State, 3.6. Miami, 4.1, something like that. So you're thinking probably, that's what, like a 15% advantage roughly? So you think the FSU guys can keep this close and it'll be low scoring, but still Miami, probably the, probably the win? Probably. I mean, I, I'm probably, I'm sure I'm, you know, kind of tying my want to the conversation that I just had to the <laughs> to what I hope plays out on Saturday. But yeah, I do. I, I, I think if Florida State's interior is is not the team that we saw against Georgia Tech. And I think they can force Miami to uh, to have to deal with some stuff that they haven't had to deal with yet. And I think Miami's going to have a hard time earning a whole lot. And uh, yeah, that, that's kind of what I see. And just uh, after looking over the two rosters, I'll go. Uh, I'll go FSU four and a quarter. Miami five and a half. Um, that's like a thirty percent edge for the Canes. I want to be very clear here. I, I think Miami's offense is ripe to get got. There will be a team or two out there that are able to expose the Canes this year for being a little bit overly reliant on explosive plays, maybe you know, hoping that their, their explosive plays are absolutely huge. That's not to say Miami's offense won't improve throughout the course of the year, but, but, but there are definitely some teams on the schedule who have the ability to expose them. I am not sure that team wears garnet and gold, and I'm especially doubtful of that if you don't get healthy Kando and, and Hamsa in this game. So, yeah, I'm thinking five and a half. But I do think the offense will have improved over the bye week and, and over the Miami Miami week. They're, they're mostly healthy. And I, I think that extra practice time for the Knowles will be beneficial. And I, I can't imagine Terry and Thompson dropping every freaking ball that's thrown to them. Like at some point, just that, that, has to, uh, that, that has to stop. So I'll go a little bit more there. What, if, what do you think as far as score, bud? We'll, uh, we'll move to that and then maybe some other either fun predictions, uh, whether it be specific aspects of the game, or I've got a, just a couple things in mind with uh, COVID-related that we might not have seen from the rivalry previously. But uh, what are you thinking as far as the final score? I'll take Miami 33. I think, uh, maybe, the, maybe they'll struggle to score touchdowns a little bit. Miami 33, Florida State 20. What are you going with? Miami 24, Florida State 18, something like that. Uh, I think it's a, a relatively close game. I think Florida State plays uh, aggressive, comes out uh, kind of their back against the wall to use silly cliches, but uh, not getting a whole lot of respect as far as uh, an option of uh, emerging from this game as a winner. I think there's a lot of pieces that Florida State has that you're going to get a level of play that you haven't seen so far, and I think Florida State will play well. Uh, ultimately, I don't think Florida State will win the game. So uh, maybe a toughie there. It'll be four straight losses to Miami. I think it'll be four or five straight losses uh, from a program perspective overall when you go back into last year. So uh, some <laughs> some not fun experiences on Saturdays for Florida State fans recently. But I think there'll be moments in this game that are fun. I think there'll be moments where we see some optimism, some growth, and uh, I'm excited, man. I'm excited. You know, also going to be the first time that we've ever seen a real rivalry game where we haven't had fans in the stadium. And if you are one who enjoys players maybe talking to each other between uh, snaps of the ball, yeah, you may have access to said conversation that you've never heard before. 
so I'm excited to see that, what it sounds like uh, with limited people in the stadiums. And we might have a, a sports soundtrack uh, as far as player interaction that we haven't, uh, haven't had otherwise. It's going to be very interesting to watch, man. I'm excited, and, and we'll see if FSU can, can go ahead and, uh, and and pull this thing off. And we'll be back here with the Instant Reaction Podcast Saturday night. This has been the Nolcast. The Nolcast is created and hosted by Bud Elliott and Ingram Smith, music by Judson Wright, and produced by Justin Robinson. Go Knowles. Thank you.